Welcome to another episode of the Double Coma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. <laughs> I want to curse. What just happened? Right? What just happened with interest rates that pushed them up? Do you know how high interest rates went on Friday and Monday? So I did an ad hoc live on Friday because the CPI did not come out as expected. We were all expecting it to be flat, maybe drop slightly. It didn't do that. It went up 1% month over month, which gave us an 8.6% year over year inflation rate. The CPI is the consumer price index. That number had dropped from 8.5 to 8.3 and now it popped back up again. And the, you're like 8.5, 8.6, does that really matter? It is the direction that mattered the most, right? And that huge 1% month over month increase. And if you dived into the CPI, and I talked a little bit about this on the live on Friday, if you dived a little bit into the CPI, you realize it's not all the transitory stuff anymore. Like this is stuff, one, the Fed can't control oil and food, but it was the other things. It was wages, it was housing, it's the cost of appliances and furnishings. It is literally everything. The PPI is coming out and it's expected to continue to be strong. So that PPI is a producer's price index, which is back at the wholesale level. So if that's still high, and you know it is, because try buying an airline ticket right now. I mean, the cost of gas is affecting everything, including manufacturing. So if it's costing you more to manufacture it and then to ship it and then to sell it, it's going to cost you more to buy it. Those consumers are having to spend more. So what just happened? Like, why did that throw the market into a tizzy? Because it did. So that's what I want to talk about, the reality check. Because if you're an agent listening to this, or if you're a home buyer listening to this, and your lender quoted you a rate that is a quarter to a half point higher on Monday than it was mid last week, they're not lying to you, right? And you're like, well, I'm going to go talk to three different lenders. And then you'll end up pushing closing and maybe you won't close because you locked in uh, with one lender and now you're shopping and, and you just can't settle in because your anxiety level is high. And I get that. You've got a lot working against you as a home buyer right now. But on the flip side and where I'm going to land this live is like eight reasons, nine reasons. I've got a whole bullet list of why the housing market is going to remain strong. We believe that this recession is going to be light in the sense that I've heard some folks are coming out saying that they're expecting a depression. I mean, that creates or requires massive loss of workers, of jobs. It requires obviously massive loss in the stock market. Granted, what we've seen over the last couple of days starts to feel like that, right? Especially if you own cryptocurrency, I'm not gonna tell you how much money I had in that, which I don't have anymore. Right? I mean, that's just what it is. It's just what it is. But we're going to talk about that at the end. I'm going to list out and I'm going to just speedball through them like a bunch of reasons why the housing market is so strong. But I want to talk about the interest rates first because they went from 5.5 on Thursday to 6.18 on Monday. 5.5 on Thursday to 6.18 on Monday. 
That is a massive jump, especially if you were watching my live and I said, hurry up and get under contract, take advantage of the interest rates that we have today because next week we're going into the Fed and right now there's a lot of movement based on the expectation of the Fed raising the Fed rate, not by 50 bips, but by as much as 75 bips or 100 bips, 1% is 100 bips, right? And if that happens, it's not so much the action of it happening, it's the expectation that last week we thought that they were going to do 50 bips, 50 bips in June and 50 bips in July. Take, they have August off, and then theoretically they were going to start slowing down or taking the foot off the gas in September. Well, now the conversation's switching. Right? So now the conversation's, what is happening? And markets don't move on action. Markets move on expectation. In fact, the Fed rate going up or going down doesn't actually correlate to the 30-year fixed at all. I mean, they're cousins. They move generally, but sometimes one is flat and the other one's going crazy, and one spikes up and the other one's flat. They're like related distantly, right? But they move based on the market conditions, and the 30-year fix moves on the expectation of what's going to happen. And right now, the Fed is sequestered. They're meeting. They're going to come out with their Fed meeting minutes on Wednesday. So right now, they can't say anything. They're in lockdown. If they had just come out on Friday afternoon or Monday at some point saying, this is what we're going to do based on the information, I mean, I have read some articles talking about the fact that we even needed an emergency Fed meeting. I mean, come on. Two days we're waiting. We're waiting from Monday to Wednesday. We need an emergency meeting. You talk about the markets totally flipping out because now the Fed absolutely looks like they've lost all control. When I read that, I was like, no, please no. The Fed is meeting on Wednesday. They're coming out with their Fed meeting minutes. If they had come out yesterday saying, we're seeing this, we're rolling it into our expectations, we'll be discussing this on Wednesday, 0.75, 75 bips is on the table, that might have calmed the markets. But they didn't do that. They couldn't do that because they're in lockdown pre the meeting, which is typically what they do right before they come out. So now there's expectations that we might have an August meeting, that they might raise the Fed rate even more aggressively to get control of this inflation, to stop the spending. Retail sales was 0.2% last month. It's coming out on Wednesday. So to see what that is. But in the meantime, consumer confidence is down, really down. And Yellen came out. I mean, this blew my mind. And she goes, why do you think that consumers are so like not happy, right? Like what? Like why are the consumers not happy right now? Because the cost of everything is going up, not just housing, everything. I mean, gas is over $5 a gallon nationwide. When you go to the uh, grocery store, that one bag now is like a hundred bucks, right? I mean, everything costs more. And now you're increasing my cost to borrow. My credit card interest rates are going up. My mortgage interest rates are going up. My personal lines of credit, my HELOC rates are going up. All of those things are going up. So now I'll get, bam. I am just on both sides, both sides. The cost of everything and the interest rates are going up. My cost to borrow is going up. The price of everything is going up. 
Unless I'm just laden with cash. Maybe that doesn't affect me, right? So right now we saw that interest rates went from 5.5 to 6.18. That's a pretty hefty jump affecting affordability, affecting eligibility, that just happened. The Fed rate itself had not broken above 3.25. Uh, 2018, when we hit our high mortgage rates of 5%, the Fed rate hadn't broken above, I'm sorry, I said the Fed rate, um, the 10-year bond. The 10-year bond went up, right, with the CPI, with a lot of angst, Fed rate's totally different. We're going to hear about that on Wednesday. My bad. The 10-year the, uh, Treasury yield went up, and it had not broken above 3.25 in years. It actually hit 3.33. So I want to talk about that spread for a minute, because now it's above 3.33. Their interest rates are above 6. How much higher can it go? It's going to take a really strong economy for that 10-year that Treasury yield to continue to go up. So that 10-year Treasury yield at 3.33 and our 30-year fixed at 6.18, you almost have, not quite, you almost have a 3% spread right there, right? Just shy of about 15 bips. Almost have a three-point spread. That typical spread is 165 to 185. So 1.65 to 1.85 is the spread between the 10-year and the 30-year fixed typically, historically, on average. So if I take an a 10-year of, say, 2%, I would expect that the correlated, and these guys are much more correlated than the Fed rate and the 30-year fixed. Those two are distant cousins. These two are probably sisters, right? So the 10-year and the 30-year fixed are going to move together, typically, historically, on average, 1.65 to 1.85 spread. So if I have a 2% 10-year, right now we have a 3.3, if I have a 2% 10-year, I would expect the 30-year fixed to be one point, let's just split the difference and say 1.75. So that's going to be 3.75% interest rate. Right now I have 33 3.3. So on average, that should be 5%, but we just went up to 6.18. That difference has to do with a couple things. One is the risk and the fear, right? So that risk and fear is driving the market. The other thing is, remember who was the largest purchaser of mortgage-backed securities? The Fed. The Fed, right? The Fed was, but then we did quantitative easing. And now they're not buying mortgage-backed securities. And then they started quantitative tightening, and they're actually rolling off some of their supply off the balance sheet. So they're not the biggest buyer. The market is. The market's not buying them. Historically, there would be more demand for higher interest rates. Yes. Like, I want to say, duh, right? Yes, because there's more demand for higher interest rates because this is going to continue to give me more money on my money. The yield is higher. So with higher interest rates, you're typically going to have more demand. 
right? Because you want that product that's giving you that higher yield. Right now, there's hardly any demand for the mortgage-backed securities at these higher yields because everyone is convinced that the Fed is going to push us into an economic slowdown, push us into a recession, which will drop yields, which will create a sell-off of all of those mortgage-backed securities. Because ultimately, each mortgage-backed security is tied to a mortgage, right? And if that mortgage is now a purchase of a home at 6.18 or 6.25 is actually a real rate, right? I mean, the 6.18 is averages. If that mortgage is, is uh, that home is purchased at 6.25, let's just say, the theory is, is that person is going to refinance within the next six to 12 months, making that mortgage-backed security much less desirable because it's going to be held for such a short period of time. I'm gonna balance my investment portfolio around certain um, instruments, certain debt instruments, security instruments, equities, right? I'm gonna manage my portfolio to that and I want some of these products at the higher interest rates, but if I buy them and then they go away because they're sold, well then I don't have that balance. So I'm not even going to buy them because I know they're so short term. <coughs> So because there's no demand to purchase the mortgage-backed securities, we see that that yield spread, that difference, is going to continue to be there and maybe even go higher because the mortgage lenders aren't making money that they used to and especially not making more money. So if you think about it, if the market rate is 5% and I give you an interest rate of 6%, I'm giving you that interest rate at 6% because typically you need lender paid closing costs. So I make more money, I pass that more money on to you, you get a, a, a lender credit, you're able to pay all of your closing costs with that spread that in selling you a higher interest rate. Right now, like I don't even have those on my rate sheet. I can't even go up high. But interestingly enough, it's flattened the rates lower. So I can actually buy down and get better rates. Now, whether or not you should buy down the interest rate right now, I would argue that you shouldn't, right? Depending on the situation, there might be a situation where the spread is so great and you don't ever want to refinance that again, that that makes sense. Or maybe it's a short-term property. You know, you're only going to hold it a couple of years. Maybe you'll look at the arm rates. I'm not talking about that right now. <clears throat> where, but whereas maybe 1% discount bought you a quarter point, in rates, 1% discount might now buy you a half a point, a 0.625 difference in rate. That's that spread where it's like so flat on going down in rate and so vacant, like it doesn't exist to go up because there's no, there's no demand for that, that like nobody's buying those right now, which is creating this bigger spread, which is creating these higher interest rates. Now, a lot of this will depend on what the Fed says on Wednesday. What are they going to do going forward? Are they going to totally flip every, everything upside down? Are they going to do the 75 bips or the 1%? What are they going to do in July? Are they going to add an August meeting, right? And so what is that going to look like? So after that Wednesday meeting, we're going to start to see, and rates will either settle down because they like what the Fed is doing, or they won't, and we'll continue to see interest rates go up. Now, even when interest rates started to go up, a lot of people are asking me how high do you think that they could go and i was like six and a quarter right so we're here we're at six and a quarter we made it do we go much higher 
I don't know. I don't know. Because the Fed, where we're at right now, is a little bit unchartered. We've got this quantitative tightening that's happening and how aggressive the Fed uh, goes is going to push interest rates. But what interest rates are doing right now is squelching demand. It's authentic demand reduction, right? It's not the forced selling that we saw or the, um, the false demand, right? The unqualified demand that we saw in 2005 then the forced selling that we saw in 2008, 9, 10, where we had bankruptcies and foreclosures because we had unqualified buyers. Unqualified buyers gave us forced selling because they were never qualified to begin with, right? We have very qualified buyers today and we have authentic demand slowdown because of these higher mortgage interest rates partnered with the higher home prices that we were just talking about, which was accelerated by the Fed's liquidity actions based around the pandemic. But coming into this, we already had strong demand. We already had the largest group of 30 to 33 year olds that were coming into the market. That was already there, regardless of what was going to happen with the pandemic. So that was already happening. Then, of course, the pandemic happened. The Fed tried to solve all things. Did they go too far? Hindsight is 2020. Interest rates dropped to historical, unseen, unnatural lows, spitting fuel on this already existing demand. That low interest rates didn't create the demand. The low interest rates fueled the demand. Now we have rising interest rates, a slowdown of that, but people will keep buying. People will continue to move, to have babies, to get married, to need bigger homes, to want a single family, all the things, right? All the things, the demand will still be there, but that, that demand that's been on the sidelines, has been on again, off again, the fence, that demand is gonna stay on the fence. That demand is going to slow down we're going to see an authentic demand slowdown and mortgage purchase applications continue to go down. What is also feeding this authentic demand slowdown is the negative wealth effect. I mean, we just saw in the last five days, the Dow Jones was down seven and a half percent. As I started this conversation, don't even ask. I mean, cryptocurrency is down like 60%. People, whether or not they were planning on spending that money are feeling less wealthy because of it. And so now they might not stretch. Now they might not believe that that higher monthly payment is worth it or achievable. Again, authentically slowing down demand, which is what we need because we had an incessant demand on a limited supply. That supply is not gonna jump up overnight. In fact, I was reading um, back in the 1990s, the mortgage rates were headed up, spiking up to 10%. National inventory levels increased from 1.5 million to 2.5 million, right? Over a period of time. That's a pretty nice jump, but that's still not so much inventory that in 1990s we had a housing bust because we didn't. Right, we're not gonna see so much inventory. Do we pop up from the lows that we're seeing today? I hope so. Put us anywhere near a historic inventory level for the Denver market, for the national market? 
Yes, I hope so. We will see more supply, more inventory, because we're seeing less authentically demand, right? Giving buyers a few more days to look at that house. Giving buyers a few less competitive offers to actually bid on that house. Giving buyers a greater probability of purchasing that house, even at a higher interest rate, which then they can refinance when we hit a recession. So let's talk about that recession. When we go towards this recession, I know some people are making it seem really big, and, and I, I don't know. I, I wanna preface this with my crystal ball is broken just like everybody else's. But of all the economists I read, the general consensus is it is going to be a very short-lived recession. We have 11 point, what was it? 11.4 million job openings right now. In 2008, we had two, two million job openings. It's different, right? So let's go through some of these. I wanna end here, I'm gonna rattle off. Here's why the housing market, even with the recession, is going to remain strong. We need the recession, we need the slowdown, because remember, consumer spending is 70% of the GDP. Recession is defined by two quarters of GDP decline. There's debate whether or not you count the first quarter, I would say you wouldn't because consumer spending was still up even though the GDP was down, primarily because China was still on lockdown and we had supply chain issues. Was that a true indicator of a beginning of a recession? Some believe it was. I'm personally gonna stand that it wasn't. But I do believe that we are gonna see this. Many of the economists, I showed this on Thursday's Market Trends update, met the majority of the economists believe that it's gonna happen in 2023, that it is gonna be relatively short-lived, that it isn't going to be very deep because we do have strong job demand. We do continue to have job wage growth. Will that slow down? Of course it will. Will we have more unemployment? Of course we will. That defines a recession. We will have more unemployment. We will have slower job growth. We will have some of those 11.4 million jobs will go away, right? All of that is expected and retail sales will slow down, slowing down the GDP, which will allow the Fed to take less aggressive actions and slow down this uh, mortgage interest rate pop that we've been seeing. 6.18, wow. All right, so here it is. 38% of all the homes across the United States are owned free and clear. They don't have to do anything. They're not worried about their mortgage payment. They're not worried about interest rates going up. Yes, we hope that they don't lose their job, but even if they do, they if they're old enough, they could do a reverse mortgage and stay in place and just live off of the equity. They could sell that home. They have 100% equity in that home. 38% of the homes are owned free and clear. 75% of the tappable equity that's uh, that we have the opportunity to extract, which leaves 20% of the equity still in the homes, 75% <clears throat> of that is locked in below 4%. Those people don't wanna go anywhere. All they have to do is not sell. That's the key. All they have to do is not sell, to stay put, to weather the storm, to get to the other side, right? Interest rates are dropping, Maybe they take advantage of opportunities. Maybe you take advantage of opportunities. There's a good reason to have cash on the sidelines right now. Cash is king and opportunities always present in a down market. 75% of tappable uh, equity is less than 4%. Inventory is rising 
and we're all talking about inventory rising, but it's rising off of historic lows. Continue to watch this. Our inventory year over year just tipped over, right? So we have more inventory than we had a year ago, but we still have less inventory than we had in 2020 and 2019. Watch those because we need more inventory. But when we get back to 2019 levels, we're gonna start to see, I, don't, I, I even hesitate saying balance, because the Denver market doesn't operate in balance, right? We operate as a softer seller's market. Right now it's an extreme seller's market. Of course, you could say the last couple of weekends doesn't feel like that. Real estate is hyper local. I'm hearing some homes that have eight, 10, 12 offers on them. And I'm seeing some homes that are sitting with absolutely no showings. Location matters. It matters more now than ever. And then of course, pricing it right. We're seeing that those homes that are going out huge are sitting. But when they price it where the market says that they should price it, they're getting multiple bids and they're pricing and they're ending up closing over list. That is a very real thing. We have 26 trillion in single family home, one to four units. So residential, we'll call it residential versus commercial. We have 26 trillion in home equity. Now, could we lose some of that in some areas? Yes, yes. Some real estate local areas will lose value. Some of them were overinflated, should never have gotten there. But the majority of the United States housing market is extremely stable, which will not allow us to head into a bubble or a crash. You can't have little neighborhoods where they lose value, create an entire economic situation nationwide. It won't happen. Will certain neighborhoods lose value? Sure, absolutely. But we have 26 trillion in equity nationwide. We have 11 trillion in tappable equity, meaning leaving 20% of the equity in those homes. That is an incredible amount of cushion, an incredible amount of cushion. The 30 year olds today are the largest age group. They, remember Freddie Mac survey showing that 33 year olds was the average first time home buyer age. Right now we have 0.1% foreclosure rate in the state of Colorado, 1.7% delinquencies, 1.7 and 0.1 in foreclosures, ridiculously low numbers, an extremely solid housing market. 95% of the borrowers today have over a 660 credit score, 95%. I had this debate with a borrower the other day talking about how good their credit was and how credit worthy and they deserve that loan. And I get that. You feel like that when you've worked so hard for your credit score. I totally get that. But then to say how much above other borrowers, I'm like, the borrower pool right now is really strong. 75% have over a 660, or I'm sorry, 95%, 95% have over a 660, meaning those lower credit scores, less than 5%. Right. And then it grows grossly like the number of people that have over a 760 is the majority of the buyers today. And then, of course, we have strong job openings and we continue to have job growth. All of that will continue to give safety to the housing market. When you see the stock market do what it did, losing seven and a half percent, the Dow Jones losing seven and a half percent in the last five days. When you see cryptocurrency doing what it just did, gold isn't even up. The cost of oil is rising. Where do you want your money? Where do you want your money? I want mine in housing. I want mine. My uh, financial planner tells me that I'm overexposed in housing and in real estate. I'm looking at them now. 
right? So how do you create the path? How do you create the next steps to help you get into that next home, even at today's prices, even at today's interest rates? Well, that's a wrap. My name is Nicole Ruth with The Root Team. I'd love to go to work for you. If you want to run your numbers, talk more about inflation, I would love to sit down. Let's do it. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.